On episode 194 of Wheel Bearings, Nicole talks about her first drive in the new Jeep Wrangler 4xe plug-in hybrid. Roberto talks about his experience with a 2020 Kia Sorento rental car. And I talk about the 2021 Buick Encore GX and the Lexus GX 460. Not much news to talk about today, but we do answer a bunch of listener emails. All coming up on this episode of Wheel Bearings. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is Wheel Bearings episode 194. And uh, after uh, my co-hosts have abandoned me for a week to take some vacation... <laughs> We're back again. Uh, and uh, who, who do we have with us? Uh, I am Nicole Wakeland, and I'm a freelance journalist. And this week's, uh, let's see, I'll do a shout out to Drive Mode Show, which is one of the outlets I write for. All right. Uh, my name is Roberto Baldwin. I am an automotive and a tech journalist. And let's say Forbes Wheels. Oh, sounds good. All right. <laughs> Nicole, you had something you wanted to share with us. I do. So we have a shout out to some of our latest Patreon supporters. So to Lee Gibson, Mike Enos, Matt Cooney, and Thomas Kunkel, thank you for supporting the show. And if you want to support the show, you can. Uh, you can head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. And for $2.50, you get the blind spot monitor level. For 5 bucks, you get the forward collision avoidance. I feel like we need to come up with more levels, guys. I think there's a lot more autonomous vehicle I, I, technology. I, I, I think we can do that. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, so for for Patreon supporters, you know, one of the things you get besides uh, an ad free version of the show um, is uh, you get early access to some of the special episodes. Uh, like, for example, last week um, or earlier this week on the main feed, I put out an interview that I did with Danny Shapiro, the senior director of automotive at NVIDIA. Uh, but that was available to Patreon supporters about a week and a half earlier. So if you want to get first access to all that good stuff, uh, help us out on Patreon. And we're going to have some more cool stuff coming. Dan is actually auditioning um, some aspiring writers to post some articles on the website. And we're going to be uh, actually paying them a little bit, um, you know, give them a chance for some exposure and, and a little bit of cash uh, from the Patreon fund. And uh, was, we're working on other stuff, too. And hopefully as we get further into the year and hopefully things settle down a little bit more, get a little more normal, uh, we might do some other cool stuff. So why don't we dive into the garage? Let's start with uh, Nicole. Oh, we get to start with me. Okay. So yeah. this was actually what I drove right before I disappeared for vacation. I did the first drive for the Jeep Wrangler 4xe, which is the new uh, plug-in hybrid 
from Jeep. Uh, they took us down to Austin, Texas. They had us drive around off road. They had us driving on the highway and we got a chance to, to really check it out. They had it, you know, when you go into a Jeep program, you always know that there's going to be some kind of off-road thing that's legitimately off-road. They're not just going to take you down a dirt path that like any old sedan could handle. Like they actually let you drive them off-road. Um, and they did with this one, we went down some rocks where you had that horrible skid plate sound like that noise that you're <laughs> that like grinding it, of- yeah like if it was any other situation be saying oh no oh no oh no what have i done um but it's <laughs> it's a good sound on a jeep program you're okay with it um and it hand i mean it handles exactly like a wrangler you know you'd expect a wrangler to be able to go up and down rocks and and loose gravel and we even went through some um water that was fairly deep deep enough that you couldn't do it without the doors on the vehicle because they tried to convince me, somebody tried to convince me to go through that. Well, like, yeah, you could totally go through that with the doors off. I'm like, no, you go through it with the doors off. I'm not going to go through that water. I don't want a wet butt for the rest of this drive program. Um, and it handles it all. Um, so in terms of driving it, it, it had still had the capability. And this was a Rubicon that we took off-road. Um, it still has the same capability you'd expect from a Wrangler. What you don't expect it. It's really cool. So, you know, the whole plug-in thing, you kind of think like, okay, great. I have a plug-in EV. I have, I think 20 ish miles of all electric range. Um, you know, you can plug in, you can take advantage of that, lower your fuel costs, be more environmentally friendly. But what was really cool is like, you don't think about the fact that one of the big things when you're off-road in a Jeep, you can take off your doors, you can take off your roof, can drop the windshield and you have, you're about as, as surrounded by the outdoors as you can be. Right but you still normally hear the engine. If you save that EV mode, could you have a little select switch where you can choose how you use that battery? If you save it until you're off-road and you push that when you're in the middle, you know, off-road in the middle of nowhere, suddenly you hear things you never would hear when you're off-roading. Like you can hear the grass crunching under your tires. You can hear like crickets in the grass. You can hear like grasshoppers hopping around their little wings and stuff fluttering. It was really very, very cool and very immersive, um, which is, you know, EVs are one thing, plugins are one thing, but to be able to have that outdoor Jeep Wrangler in the elements kind of experience, but to hear everything around you and nothing scared by you because you no longer have an engine making a racket as you're driving around was really, really neat. It was a whole new experience. Oh, I liked it. In case you can't tell, I thought it was really neat. I thought that was cool. <laughs> so in the, you know, the, the plug-in hybrid is several hundred pounds heavier yes. than the standard Wrangler Rubicon, uh, mm-hmm. which is, you know, not a lightweight to begin with. You know, did that weight, you know, have any problems or, you know, when you were driving just pure electrically off-road, you know, obviously the electric motors got plenty of torque, but did it, you know, without the engine, did it seem like it had enough power and torque? It really did. Like I was wondering that, especially as we're trying to, you know, go up fairly steep. They have this big rock, it's just like giant rock, and you had to go up it and then go down the other side. And it actually made it eat like the the way the torque, you know, when you have the EV and you instantly have the torque. So it made it very easy to modulate getting up nice and smoothly. But you don't feel, I guess you feel the heaviness a little. I mean, if you just drove a Wrangler with just a gas engine and then hopped in this one, maybe you would notice a difference, but is it enough that you suddenly think, oh gosh, this is, a, this is heavier. This is unwieldy. This doesn't feel balanced. This doesn't feel capable or have the oomph to get over what you need to get over. Not at all. I mean, it really, 
if you didn't know, I don't think you would know. Like if no one told you, I don't think you would notice the difference in a negative way that you were driving the plug-in instead of the straight up gas engine. Cool. Um, you know, one of the things that Jeep has announced uh, is a partnership with Electrify America to start installing charging stations at the trailheads of a lot of the most popular trails like the Rubicon Trail in California and, and Moab and, and several other locations. I think they're, they've talked about 16 or 17 locations where they're going to install chargers. Uh, you know, so when you get there, you can, you can drive to the trail, plug in, top off the battery and then, you know, drive the trail electrically. And with, with the Wrangler, I think you I think it's officially rated at 21 miles. And I think the, if I'm not mistaken, I think the Rubicon trail is about 16 or 17 miles. So you should be able to do pretty much the whole trail on electricity alone. Um, did they talk about that at all? Yeah, they did. In fact, they even had one of the uh, officially Jeep branded uh, charging stations that they had out at the ranch where we were driving so that you could, see it and see how it plugs in. It can handle two vehicles at a time. Um, and we asked, some of them are going, it depends which trailhead they're at. Some of them are going to be theoretically plugged into the grid. So they will just have, you know, electricity coming to them. Others will be solar. Um, if they're in some place where you just can't, there's no way to plug it in. Um, and I asked about the solar, like how, how many charges do you get? Like if one guy charges his Jeep today, are you done? If that's a solar charger, you know, are you going to get some serious charging? And they said, well, they can do two at a time. They figure at least 12 Wranglers a day could fully charge their vehicles at one station if they wanted to. But it was kind of neat when you like, like going to get a little sciencey, you know, the exact angle of the sun, how close you are to the equator, how many hours of sun you get. It's going to be more than 12 how much more break out your math and you can figure that out because it's not it, it's a hard number to identify but yeah they have them and they're you know they, they look cool you can you they, the little grid on top for the solar actually you know moves a little bit as the sun moves so it's it's a neat setup cool yeah I, I, um, I've, I've ridden the, the Alta, well, before Alta went out of business, um, they had a, a dirt bike, uh, electric dirt bike. And then zero, of course, has their, their, uh, dual sport bikes. And I've ridden those off road and it is really nice. It's, it's very, it's really nice to like sort of go off road and not have that, 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 that engine noise is whatever. And just kind of like ride around and you feel, uh, it's, 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 uh, it's like you're riding a bike without yeah. all the, you know, sweat. <laughs> With all the effort. <laughs> no, it really did. It was like, I, I was excited to drive it. I like Jeeps in the first place. I like the Wrangler and I wanted to see how this worked, but I really didn't, it didn't click to me how cool that would be to be able to hear everything. Like I realized there was like a little Creek running somewhere nearby where we were driving because you couldn't hear it until you put it in EV mode and suddenly like, wait, there's water nearby. Like you, you literally hear things and know things about where you are that you wouldn't if you were just in a gas powered vehicle, it's, it's an entirely new experience. And I think where people, you know, if you just have a plug-in or an EV and you're just taking that sedan to work or just taking that SUV to take the kids back and forth to school still does all the same. So, you know, it's got all the perks of being an EV, but you don't appreciate the quiet the same way you do as if you're someone who is you're, if you're going off-road and you're outdoors, you're probably enjoying the outdoors. You probably like to hear what's around you, to see what's around you, to experience it. And you can experience it like that in a car with a gas engine. You've got to have that, that quiet. It's, it's a whole new perspective. It was really, it was, it was compelling. It was a compelling reason to go, okay, if I was going to get a Wrangler, 
this could be enough to swing me to the plugin just because if I'm going to go off-road, this really makes that off-road experience unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, this, this thing's not going to be inexpensive. Um, oh God, you know, no. the, the, the Sahara <laughs> for it comes, it, you can get the four by E on the Sahara or the Rubicon. The Sahara starts at 48,000. Um, and the Rubicon is, uh, 51,700. And then there's a $1,500 destination charge, but, you do get um, it is still eligible for the seventy five hundred dollar federal tax credit, and right. then you know if you're in California or some other states, there's various tax credits in you know in those states as well. So you know that does bring it down quite a bit. So I mean you know from let's see fifty two fifty three, you're down to you know mid forties you know for a Rubicon um, with the federal tax credit. So that's not crazy expensive. Well, uh, and they don't have like you don't have the base. Like I'm forgetting the trim levels for the Wrangler, but you don't have the base trim of the Wrangler in this. Like it starts yeah, yeah. with the Sahara. So you're, you're, you're getting a pretty tricked out Jeep to begin with. You're sort of starting middle top middle of their, like their standard lineup. So you're getting a lot. It's not like you're getting this teeny little, you know, base trim, mm-hmm. nothing fancy. It is pretty well equipped and you can't even go one higher than the Rubicon, the high altitude, which I guess technically is like a variant of the Sahara. That one is 53, eight. So if you just want to go for all fancy pants, whether that rather than the capability of the Rubicon, that's the direction you can go. So you could get this for, let's call it 54, almost 54,000. And, and of course, uh, you know, this only comes with the, the four door version, the, uh, the unlimited, not the two door. So you can't get the plug-in hybrid on the two door. uh, And it has, okay. So my, here's one of my stupid beefs. So they have, you know, you have red toe hooks on like the, the um, trail hawk stuff. These mm-hmm. have blue toe hooks, which actually look really cool. They're like the bright blue and like all the logos have that bright, same bl- uh, bright blue accent on it, but you can only get it on the Rubicon right now. You can't get it on the other one. So if you get the Sahara, you just have boring toe hooks. Mm-hmm. You have the bright blue. I'm no, told by do. the end of the year that should change. Um, but right now I'm like, oh, but I want, I want the fancy blue toe hooks. Those look cool. <laughs> Have, have they given any indication of how many of these they expect to sell? No, you know what I did? I do not remember that question coming up and I haven't heard what they think the, the buy-in is going to be the take rate for the uh, hybrid versus the rest of the yeah. Wrangler lineup. Yeah, it's going to be real interesting to see, you know, how customers take to this, um, you know, because and uh, in June, Ford is finally going to be launching the, the, the full the big Bronco. And, uh, I'll actually be making my first trip come June to Austin Ooh. to drive the Bronco. Maybe I will Ooh. see you there because oh. I too will be in Austin driving the, f- the Bronco. First wave oh. or second wave? I don't, I don't know. I'd have to look. I can tell you in a minute, but um, that would be cool from the same wave. When am I going? I'm going to be there. I don't know. Whatever Tuesday, Wednesday is. No, Tuesday, that's, that's Wednesday. the second wave. Yeah. Okay. Are you that one? Yeah, I'm on the first wave. Uh, wah, wah. I won't even see um, you though, but um, keep us probably like completely separated. So we don't overlap and cross contaminate our waves. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, Ford has previously said that they plan to offer, you know, electrified powertrains on all of their new SUVs going forward. They haven't announced anything for the Bronco yet, uh, or for the Bronco sport, but I would expect that sometime in the not too distant future, they will add, at least a hybrid, if not a plug-in hybrid version of the Bronco, which is going to make it very interesting competition between that and the Wrangler because they're mm. they're so close in size, you know, and they have a lot of the same kind of feature set, the ability to take the doors off and everything. 
And and one one cool thing that the Bronco has that the Wrangler doesn't is that ability on the four door at least to when you take the doors off you can actually stash them in the back. There's a place where you can stash the doors so you don't have to leave them behind. Which I think is kind of isn't the other thing I'm trying to think was it I can't remember if this is a Bronco or Bronco Sport it has to be Bronco. The side view mirrors are mounted right to the mm-hmm. frame, aren't they? Not, they're not mounted to the frame; they're mounted to the doors on the yeah. Jeep. So yeah. you take yeah. your doors off, you have no side mirrors. If you take them off on the Bronco, you still have side mirrors. Yep. I thought that was a small but important detail. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Robbie, what about you? What'd you drive? So I was on vacation. Um, and so because I was on vacation and because I ended up in Hawaii on vacation, there are no fleets there. So there's no one to like say, hey, I want to <laughs> I want to review a car while I'm on vacation. So I got a 2020 Kia Sorento. Ooh. Ooh, yeah, I had about five, 6,000 miles. And I will say when I, when I travel, if I, if I'm renting a car, I always kind of want a Kia because you get in the, the it's, it's, it is, it is, it's, it's, they're typically good cars and they're very easy just to plug your phone in and CarPlay works, which isn't always the case still, which seems insane at this uh, day and age where I'm pushing like 15 buttons to get CarPlay to work. And Kia's like, you want this to work? You're like, yes. Okay, here you go. We won't bother you again for the next week. Uh, so the 2020, you know, they just had the refresh, but you know, it was a good car. You, you don't, and I can only speak for, for uh, Kauai and the big Island. Those are the only two islands I've been to, but I've been, I think seven times over the last 15 years, no one drives faster than 55 miles an hour. Maybe you'll get someone up to 60, 65. So you, you know, I just showed up, I stuck it in eco mode because gas is expensive. And I just cruised around the Island and it was, it was a great little car. Um, you know, you get the base level, which is something you don't typically get when you're an automotive journalist, typically when they deliver a car, or when you go on a car program, they give you something, you know, at least mid-level, typically um, the highest trim level they have. So, you know, it's, it's nice to know to feel like what it is when someone wants to buy a car, but they don't have the cash to uh, uh, update to those or uh, upgrade to those additional uh, trim levels. And overall, yeah, it's good. You know, there's a third row seat in there. I don't know who could sit back there. Um, maybe tiny children. I've, I've tried um, that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He's like, no. <laughs> like Joseph if, Manila probably could. Yeah. Like maybe a tiny, like if you own a monkey, you can have a monkey sitting back there. Uh, second or row is chill, fine. Like you said. Uh, yeah. yeah. Just plop, plop her back there. Um, yeah. Overall, you know, it was, it was a good little car. It, you know, it didn't have a lot of, you know, it's not a powerful car. It's. It's a, it's a pretty, you know, the is engine the is 2.5. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you know, when I'm not, I'm not flying up those Hills. Uh, the big Island has a lot of like, there's like, Oh, here's the, the bypass, but it's pretty much up a Hill. And you're like, okay, there's no turns. Just go straight up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, but yeah, for them, yeah, it was, it was a great little car. It's good for Hawaii, um, which is such a weird thing to say. Um, and, and this sort of leads into the idea where, you know, we, I think we've been hearing and, and everyone has seen the, the stories of renting cars in Hawaii and people are renting U-Hauls. Um, I, I will say that the prices are insane. When we initially looked at prices in February, when we booked our trip, it was, if I was thinking like, oh, maybe I'll get a Jeep, could go full, like, uh, go full tourist. And it was, I think $500 for the week. Um, I looked about a month ago, it was $1,200 for the week. And uh, there was nothing under $600, $800 for the week um, at that point. Um, I got super paranoid 
uh, at that point because you know you hear about uh, people renting U-Hauls when they get to Hawaii. I'm like, yeah, my wife's not going to be down with us renting a U-Haul, <laughs> cruising around, around the in a box van for a week, <laughs> yeah, around in a box van for a week. Um, and so when we got there, uh, I used the Avis app, and as soon as we landed, I was like trying to select the car, trying to select the car, trying to, and and the first thing that popped up was the Sorento. I wanted the Soul. Um, I said yes. And we got it. But then when we got to the, to the, to the lot, you know, they had cars there. Plus they had across the street, they had a big field full of Jeeps and Kias and Malibus and Mustang, you know, uh, convertibles, you know, all the, the typical Hawaii uh, rental cars. So, you know, and this is a big Island. It's, you know, this is, this is anecdotal evidence, but I think it might be getting better, but at the same time, you know, that shortage isn't, you know, the chip shortage isn't going, it's not well, we, I've tried to rent a car a couple of weeks ago in San Antonio and we had it all secured and ready to go. And we got there and the wait to get to the counter, because you all had to go through the counter. You couldn't go to your car was over three hours. Oof. And I, and my husband, and I just literally looked and said, how much do we need to drive? Okay. You know what? Forget it. We're going to bail on the rental. I'm going to Uber because we're mostly walking around and this is yeah. just for a weekend. But then I had, um, this last week, my vacation was planes, trains, and automobiles to actually get to where I was going. Um, because there was bad weather in Orlando. So I got stuck in Atlanta and would maybe have been getting in. So I just gave up and said, forget it. I'm going to rent a car in my college age daughter and I decided to drive from Atlanta to Orlando. We literally went online before I canceled my flight, like sitting in the airport madness in Atlanta. Like, can I get this car? Yes. Reserve the car. They take my credit card whole deal. Like, okay. I feel like it's pretty, I walked to the country. Like, oh no, we don't have a car for you. I'm like, but I just, I just pay. I like, you took my number and I have a number and here's the receipt. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Yeah. I'm like, what does this whole confirmation thing mean? She's like, oh no, anybody who's rented in the last 24 to 48 hours, we're not giving them a car. And I'm like, wait, anybody who's rented in the last 24 to 48, like they're going to show up and have no car. And she's like, yeah, I was like, I, I don't understand. So then now I have given up my flight to get there whenever that was going to leave and I have no car. So I'm just going from counter to counter to counter and getting more panicked and finally got down. Hertz had cars. Like shoot, that was the only place I went to, I think four or five different places before I got one. And granted it was last minute, but like, even if it wasn't, if you'd rented a car two days before, apparently at the one, they're like, well, Sorry, see ya. Wouldn't want to be a. You don't get a car. <laughs> oh well. Hey, can you imagine who is that person who's just like every person who walks up? I can't be on my car. Nah. Yeah, and her <laughs> attitude was totally like it was like you know as if I said, oh, you know, can I get a cheeseburger? Sorry, we're out of burgers. Okay, I'll get something else. It was just like, can I get my car? Sorry, no. I'm like, wait, they- there was there was no remorse. There was no sense of like, what are we supposed uh, to do without a vehicle? Imagine you showed up and you rented a car for a week, and they're just like, nah. Nah, that was no and that, that was my 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 concern uh, uh yeah i was like i was like oh my god we're gonna i got turo i put the turo app on my phone yeah i had it ready i had it locked and loaded ready to go as we landed like you know as soon as we land i'm like i'm making sure we get a car before anyone else <laughs> you, know, just you doing- did the right thing because i thought i secured a car i thought i was all good to go and slick and then i get there like lady what do you think no confirmation number <laughs> go somewhere else what is this about six years ago uh six or seven years ago we took a, a family vacation to puerto rico and i had reserved a car uh with a local car rental agency and we got there yeah and at the time that i had made the reservation I mean, usually when you do a car reservation online 
you know, they ask you for your, your flight number and, you know, what time you're getting in. And, you know, I think I had put the wrong time down for the, for the flight. And, you know, it was like 10 in the morning. We got in at like one o'clock in the afternoon. And it, it was, you know, usually though, you know, they, they, you know, once you reserve it, you know, they hold it for 24 hours, you know, or, or at least, you know, for most of the day. And so we got there, took the shuttle to this car rental agency and said, no, your, your car, your reservation was for 10 o'clock. It's one o'clock in the afternoon. Now the car's gone. We don't have anything. It's like, what? <laughs> are, are planes not late in Puerto Rico or planes is always on time? Always Apparently, on time. Yeah. You have five uh, and, minutes, give or take plus or minus. That's it. Once which, it hits is, six minutes, is, forget it. Which, which is what I get for, you know, going, you know, with a, a local car rental agency instead of one of the big companies. And so we ended up taking the shuttle back to, and this, you know, it was just off airport. We took the shuttle back to the airport, went, went to Avis. I stood in line there for an hour and, and did manage to get something without a reservation while I was standing in line. I actually did, you know, online, you know, on the, on the, I downloaded the app and did it in there and managed to get an Explorer, but yeah, it was, it was a mess. But so, yeah, I mean, renting cars can be, can be a challenge and it is particularly now one of the listener questions we had today was from snap, you know, but uh, empirical reports indicating a huge shortage of new vehicles, any idea regarding the time frame this will be resolved and with Detroit not making cars, what's the plan for car rental companies to replenish their fleets? No more cheap rentals, which is, you know, what, what you guys both talked about, you know, because over the last year with people not traveling, you know, uh, you know, most of the, the rental fleets disposed of large portions of their fleet. They sold them off because if they're not renting them, they're just sitting there collecting dust and costing the company money. Uh, you know, so they sold they sold them as used cars. And, you know, in fact, in the case of Hertz, you know, they've, they're still in Chapter 11 right now. And I think they sold off more than half of their fleet over the last year. Uh, and now the thing is, as travel is starting to pick up, they can't get any new vehicles because of this this chip shortage and uh, it's looking now like this might last into at least the early part of 2022 uh, during Ford's earnings call this week. They, uh, you know, they said that um, during the second quarter, you know, between April and, and June, they expect to only be able to build about half as many, half as many vehicles as they were planning to in wow. that three month period because yeah. they can't get enough chips. I mean, there's a local, there's several local lots around here that are sitting with more than 12,000 F-150s that they can't deliver to customers. They can't deliver to dealers yet because they're missing uh, some controller that they can't get chips for. They're, they're waiting on parts, um, you know, and others, you know, depending on what the parts are, you know, some of them they're able to build and just set them aside. In other cases, they just can't build them at all, depending, depending on how hard it is to install them after the fact. And 2022 uh, is when they say this is lasting until. So we've it, got it almost way, another yeah. six to eight months. If it's sometime in the beginning more. of the year, if yeah. not more. And I, I really believe that people are, 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 I've been talking about this for a while, that people are going to go crazy with travel. Like, uh, my, uh, you know, I've been to Hawaii. Most of the time when we go to Hawaii, it's, it's, it's this time frame. Um, and there weren't as many people there. There were still a lot of restaurants. There weren't closed. There weren't open. Um, but, you know, we get a full flight there, full flight back, and they're expecting, you know, a big rush of people. And how are they, they going to drive? Yeah. <laughs> and I think people are going to be traveling all over the country or all over the world, and they're going to get to where their destination, and they're going to be like, oh, oh, you don't have that minivan for me and my six kids. Yeah. That's the oh. thing. That's like, if, you're, if they're at a point where even if you rented something, like, 
if you you rented it a couple days out because you decided to go away for a weekend or go away sort of unexpectedly because things are still kind of cheap and you think you have a car and you get there and you don't, what the heck do you even do? It's like, well, I see those little bicycles we could probably rent. Like, what do you, what do you do when you've got a family that would, that's like nightmare territory there. I would be, if I needed to rent a car for any kind of vacation right now, I would really make sure that I rented that sucker like months out, like the second, you know, and honestly, if you didn't, even if, you have to, even if you're facing a cancellation fee, you know, you're right. probably better off because right like, now to do if that. You're gonna pay, yeah. If you're going to pay like 25, 50, whatever bucks, if you have to cancel. Okay. Or you show up at the airport with your family in tow and they say, nope. And you're doing what I was doing. At least it was just like me and one, you know, my one kid. And I'm like, okay, I'll get myself out of this. But imagine you've got a week's vacation and you literally show up with all of that, the luggage, the car seat, all this stuff. And it's like, no, sorry, like that. Right. I would rent early because I don't and it is getting much more crowded. I pretty much traveled throughout the whole pandemic and I can literally see every every week I'm out a little bit more crowded, a little bit more crowded, a okay. little bit more crowded. So, yeah, people are going out and they're they're clearly not enough rental cars to go around. Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's going to be tough out there. I, I if, you, if you're planning a vacation, um, maybe plan one. Uh, near a friend who can like let you borrow a car <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or somewhere where, you know, you can get, you know, Uber or Lyft or something like yeah, that. Or right. Go to New York or, yeah. or, well, we all want to go outside. That's the problem. We all, you know, everyone wants to go out into the woods or into to the beach or somewhere where you, you know, you can sort of like get outside and, and away from society for, for a little bit and away from your family, maybe, you know, spread them out. Yeah. <laughs> get get about 10 feet 12 feet the so you're not in the same house suv you can possibly yeah. find to put the kids you in the all back. <laughs> you all sit way in the back i just need a little more space that's all <laughs> on the plane we're all sitting in different sections exactly like you're in row 10 the kids are in row like 52 <laughs> yeah that's their problem the people yeah. in the back Here's a dollar for each of you for to watch our kids. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> really sorry. Here's some candy to apply them with. Bye. I know. Here's some, here's some candy. I gave him some candy and some Red Bull. Good luck. Have fun. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. I, I. 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 Oh, that's yeah. It's it's going to be tough. It's it's tough. Um, and motorcycle rentals are so expensive. I don't know if people who 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 rent who vacation or it was like motorcycle ridership in the United States keeps plummeting. But those are have always been expensive. But maybe that might be the answer. If you're a motorcyclist, uh, maybe that's your answer. Fly I'm somewhere this, or just, just plan a vacation that's driving distance, you know, somewhere where you can drive from your home and just take your own car. Yeah, just take I'm your own about car. about those pictures you see of, of countries, not the U.S., where it's legal to have like you r- driving your your little scooter thing and then your wife sitting in front of you and your kids in the basket on the back and the babies in the basket on the front. Is that what you're suggesting, Roberto? Yeah. <laughs> if you know what, it's if you can do it, do it. You know, I grew up where I had motorcycles. We didn't, we didn't. We didn't ride it. We didn't wear helmets or gear in the 80s. Of course, helmets. you know, and I think we ended up in a hospital a few times with my dad. But, you know, <laughs> let's, let's not talk about details, that. Details, details. Yeah. Details, details. Hey, but, yeah, maybe know, just if, drive if somewhere. A kid, if a kid doesn't have occasional bumps and bruises and scrapes, they're not playing enough. They're not getting exactly. enough exposure to the world. Exactly. They're not getting that real life experience they need to be successful adults. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and if and if you and if you cause those bumps and bruises, then you know that's that's parenting. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if as long as you're taking care of the kid afterwards, you know that's the important thing. 
Uh, all right. <laughs> On that note, uh, I had, uh, uh, since we last recorded, two very different SUVs. Um, actually, one one's a real honest-to-goodness SUV. The other one, you know, is a crossover. The first, first up was the Lexus GX460, which uh, in other parts of the world is sold as the Toyota Land Cruiser Prado. Um, you know, it's a slight, it's a slightly shorter version of the Land Cruiser that we get here in, in North America. Uh, and this is a classic body on frame SUV, you know, big brawny sucker, you know, it's, yes, it's smaller, shorter than the Land Cruiser, but it's still a big beast of a vehicle and it feels like it, you know, this, this does not feel like a modern vehicle, you know, it, <laughs> It feels like a like a classic, um, which, you know, is good and bad. I mean, if what you want is something that has Lexus style luxury inside, but still has the ability to crawl over boulders like a Jeep, the GX 460 is for you. Who those people are, I have no idea, but they're, apparently they're out there because Lexus is still selling this thing. And it's got uh, it's got the uh, what four point six liter i think or five point four six four six four six liter v8 um and uh 301 horsepower it's uh it's it's got a thirst for petroleum products uh let's say (laughs) no (laughs) yeah seriously yeah um you know i was getting about 12 to 14 miles per gallon uh (laughs) with this thing you know it does you know it like a Jeep, you know, it's got things like, you know, it's got a two range uh, transfer case. So it's got a four wheel drive low mode. You can lock the differentials and stuff. So, I mean, you really can take this thing off road. You probably would want to put on some better tires if you're going to do that, because the tires it comes with aren't really all terrain. Uh, but the, the, the chassis has got the capability to, to handle all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, it's by current Lexus standards. I mean, you know, this thing's been around for a while uh, and you get inside and it, it feels kind of classic. You know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't have the, you know, it's got nice materials, leather, you know, nice leather and, and everything and, and wood trim, but uh, it doesn't feel very modern inside. There's, this is one of the only Lexus vehicles that has a touchscreen infotainment, but doesn't have, um, you know, either the, the touchpad or the older style, you know, little mousy joystick thing. Um, so it's just a straight up touchpad. Uh, it doesn't have support for Android Auto or Apple CarPlay. This is like an ancient version of Lexus, uh, the Lexus N form, uh, which is their skinned version of Toyota's Entune, older style Entune system. Uh, you know, it's it's not a great infotainment system. You know, the the vehicle itself, you know, it, it feels a, a little soft. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't feel buttoned down when you're driving on the road. You know, so it's got a fair bit of body roll. You know, when you if you hit the brakes, you know, you can feel it diving, that sort of thing. Uh, it doesn't feel as well controlled as, say, a, a JL Wrangler, a current generation Wrangler. Um, you know, I I'd have a really hard time recommending this thing to anybody. Uh, I mean, if what you want, because it, is that because it's older? Like why? Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're going to buy a brand new vehicle, uh, a brand new SUV and you, you want something that's got, um, you know, if you, if you want something that's got off-road capability, I'm not sure why you would necessarily want the combination of kind of old school, classic luxury and uh, you know, and 
you know, that serious off-road capability. But if you do, <laughs> you know, you, you might want to look at something like a used Range Rover or something like that. So, uh, that's what's going to be my question. If you wouldn't recommend this one because it's a little long in the tooth and, you know, it doesn't have the updated infotainment and is feeling feeling its age a little bit. What would you recommend for the person who thinks they want this, but wants it to look like 2021? Ooh, uh, that, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to come up with an answer myself. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, the thing is, you know, you go to a Range Rover, you know, a new Range Rover is going to cost you a lot more than this. I mean, this one, uh, this one was $67,335, including the delivery charge. Uh, which is, you know, it's not, it's not crazy expensive um, right. by modern standards. I mean, you can, you can easily get a Wrangler more expensive than that, um, <laughs> you know, with, with uh, careful, you know, with in, injudicious use of the options list. Yes. Um, but, um, you know, I guess, I think, like I said, I think, you know, if, if you want the off-road capability, you know, I, I guess I'm just not sure who the customer is for this, this type of vehicle anymore. Super yeah. villains, the super villain, you know, they got a, they yeah, have a, they, they have out in the middle of nowhere. They have their lair, but they also want to be pampered while they're driving. I guess they would just got a G wagon. Never mind. Yeah. You know, a G wagon, <laughs> you know, has got the same kind of thing, but it's a lot more expensive than this. You know, yeah. Like I, said, I feel like this grand. is a person who wants, has to have that big SUV for the whole family, like needs the, the seven, I keep wanting to say seven row, seven passenger, uh, like giant seven passenger vehicle. Once that big burly luxury, but somehow live someplace where they have a giant mountain cabin that requires off-roading to get to it. Like what, if you live in Colorado, like, are there certain areas where this vehicle really does make sense? It I mean, could it, be, I'm, I'm sure, you know, are, you know but why? Everyone has has to go off road in Hawaii, uh, parts of Northern California, parts of yeah. part, lots of parts of California, actually. Yeah, I feel uh, like I mean, there's places where this makes sense. Maybe not exactly yeah. this one, like you said, something more modern, but this kind of thing makes sense for a person who is has the big family, wants the luxury, but maybe really lives out there a little bit where the roads are are optional or roads are questionable much of the year if the weather's terrible. You know? Yeah. Maybe I'm trying to come up with a customer case here. Yeah. <laughs> They would probably get something else though, because they want CarPlay. Yeah, yeah probably. That's that's very true, and and you don't get any of those kinds of modern features. It does have a CD player in it, so there's that. Ooh. <laughs> oh, my daughter mocked a car the other day for having a CD player. She's like, "There's a CD player in this." I'm like, yeah, why? I'm like, "Because well, that's because." Just move along. <laughs> but, I mean, for, for what it's worth, Lexus was also the last automaker to offer a model in North America with a cassette deck in it. The, Were they really? Yeah, the the old SC uh, four thirty convertible, that, yeah. that kind of weird bulbous looking one. Yep. Um, that was the last car you could buy in in the U.S. market with a cassette deck in it. Do you know what it was? I'm curious. Uh, it was like 2011 or 12. You could get a cassette deck in a car in 2011. It was the wow. only one for several years, like the last two wow. or three years of its of its lifespan. Yeah. But you couldn't uh, buy a cassette, but you could get a car. Right, with you can actually <laughs> buy a cassette, well, but you can you could, play you your still, mixtapes from 1985, though. Yeah, that well, was and, cool. Uh, plus, in those days, you could also get the cassette adapters for your iPod. Uh, you uh, know, so you oh, yeah. that's right. And plug in your that's iPod right. because no, nobody had, you know, USB or USB ports. USB ports were still relatively new in cars at that point. OK, yeah. I uh, guess that's fair. I'm still shocked that a car had a cassette yeah. player in 2011. So, so, you know, the Lexus GX may very well be the last car with a CD player in North America for a while. <laughs>
but sticking with the GX theme, um, the the other vehicle I had after the after the Lexus went away was the 2021 Encore Buick Encore GX, uh, which is kind of the complete opposite. This is a small compact crossover. Um, it's uh, it's based on the same platform as the Chevy Trailblazer, so it's a little bit bigger than Buick's smallest vehicle, which is the regular Encore, which we've had for several years um, and the, and the Chevy tracks. So this is, um, you know, roughly the size of a Honda HRV you know, or a lot of other ones uh, in that size class. So not quite the, the compact, uh, you know, like RAV4 CRV size one kind of one step down from that. And I actually really like this a lot. You know, this is, this is a new model last year. Um, it's, uh, I, I, I like the, the design of this thing, you know, it's really good. And the, um, there's two engines available in there. It's front wheel drive or all wheel drive, um, two, three cylinder turbos, uh, a 1.2 liter is the base engine. And a 1.3 is the, uh, the optional engine. And if you get all wheel drive, like the one I had, the, all, the, uh, the 1.3 is the only engine available with all wheel drive. Um, if you get the the front wheel drive, uh, both engines come with a CVT, uh, which is another reason to get the all wheel drive because you get a nine speed automatic with that. Oh yeah, and mm-hmm. I, I don't know about you guys, but I I really like three cylinder turbos. I like the way they sound. They have that that unique growl. There's nothing else that sounds mm-hmm. quite like it. And uh, you know the this one three that's that's in the uh, the Encore and was also in the Trailblazer. I drove a couple months a few months ago. Um, it's, uh, let's see, it's 155 horsepower from a 1.3 liter. The, the, the base 1.2 liters, 137 horsepower, 162 foot pounds of torque. This one's 155 and 174 foot pounds of torque. And, you know, for a vehicle this size, it's a, it's a good amount of power. You know, it's got, um, you know, good, it's very responsive, uh, very easy to drive. Um, you know, and you know, it's a Buick, so it's not, you know, they're not trying to make it sound like a, like a sports car, but it's got just enough of that growl to, you know, to make it sound kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was really enjoyable to drive. Uh, I think, you know, it's got good driving dynamics, uh, good size to it. You know, it, it's a really nice urban vehicle. You know, it's, it, it's small enough that it's really easy to park, but it's still big enough uh, that, you know, adults can fit in the back seat. A pair of adults can fit in the back seat, and you still have a, a decent amount of cargo space behind the uh, the rear seat. Or you know, if you need to carry bigger stuff, you can fold down the back seat. And I I just I think it's a really nice balance of you know style, driving dynamics, um, and uh, you know performance and, and efficiency at the same time. Um, it's EPA rated at 28 miles per gallon combined. Um, that's about what I got in a week of driving it. And, uh, you know, it, this one was equipped with, you know, this one, the essence model. So it basically was fully loaded with everything, including uh, one of my favorite features of recent years, which is the the digital camera mirror system. So you, oh, like you flip the little switch on the bottom that, you know, it used to be that that's, you know, when you were driving at night and you had somebody behind you, you'd flip that to get the, the, uh, um, the, the dimmer version of the mirror. Now that flips you to the, the digital mirror system. And in so many new cars, your rear visibility is so constricted by thick C pillars and headrests in the back seat and everything else 
that um, you know with that with the, the the digital mirror you get a view of everything and you can adjust the angle the you know so you can you know go to a wider angle view if you want or just something that's basically a one to one view um, and I I really like these and they've they've gotten better the first ones the, the when they first launched it a few years ago on the the Chevy Bolt and the Cadillac CT6 in 2017 um, some people complained you know about the frame rate on there and they've actually sped it up. So it's a, fa it, it's, it looks smoother now. It's, it's a faster frame rate. On there. I remember the first time I tried one and it was a couple of years ago that I think it was probably the frame rate, but things, especially if you were driving down a road that say you had like orange, you know, barrels on the side, cause there was construction or something that was repeating on either side going past you in the rear view mirror. It was this weird, it was this weird sort of disconcerting thing. I'm like, I, I don't like this, Dripping but they, I, it was, it was like, it's like, oh my God, it's like a flicker. Like you're having like an epileptic thing. Like I can't, I can't look at that. Um, but they are much better now. I've, they, I've taken a turn the other direction and I love them. When I have those in a car, I absolutely love them. Make it so much easier to see. And you don't have to worry about what's shoved in the back of your car. You know, yeah, I exactly. like them. I think they're a great idea. Do, do you still look into the, cause I've, I've caught myself do this. Do you still look into the review mirror to talk to someone in the back seat, even though you have the rear? Oh my God. I <laughs> yes. do it all the time. Do that, I look like, up and hey, I'm like, oh. nope. Yes. Yeah. It's a yeah. ghost. Do that. Yeah. You want it to, you're like, I, I can't, how do I talk to the human? I, I guess I have to just look forward and talk to them now. This oh, is well. weird. <laughs> Which is what you should be doing anyway. But yeah. You glance yeah. in the rear view mirror all the time to see like what's happening in the back seat. You to see what's happening. It's you're fine. But what, one thing you need to have a split screen thing so you can see it. And then he's like one go. of those little other thing, like talk to rear passengers. So like, you have a separate camera that's just screen. focused on the back seat. Yeah, yeah, just so you can just see the kids and you can chat with them. Yeah, they need to see you, though, because when you look in the rear view mirror, they can look at you. It can't just be a camera that the driver can see. It has to be something the so kids you need cameras can everywhere. You need a camera at each seating position yeah. in every, every single seat to monitor and, everything. And, and everybody needs their own display so they can yes, look Sam. at whoever they want. Jeep is getting there. They're putting that new the camera, the the what's the extra screen in front of the front passenger on the yeah. grand Wagoneer. The Grand and the Wagoneer. Yeah. Yeah, or yeah. maybe it's just the Wagoneer. Yeah. I think it's just the Grand Wagoneer. I think, or the Wagoneer. Yeah. Grand Wagoneer, Wagoneer, the fanciest uh, of Jeeps, whatever, wherever we are with that right and, now. Yeah. <laughs> well, one, one thing I, I did notice, I was, you know, it was raining for a couple of days when I had it and I was driving on a, on a dirt road. And, you know, when, when you drive on a dirt road in the rain, you know, you get all the splash on the, the back, you know, and of course, you know, on these, you know, small crossovers and hatchbacks and stuff, you have a, a wiper on the rear window on the tailgate, but it, you know, the swept area of that wiper, you know, the wiper is usually about 10 inches long, you know, on these things. And you have this tiny little swept area. So even with the wiper going, you can't really see very much behind you because of the, the mud and dust and stuff. And so there's actually a, um, a separate washer jet, just for the camera. Oh, uh, so, that's smart. Yeah, that is smart. And so um, when you hit the, the rear washer, you know, it's got the separate washer jet that cleans the camera. So you always have a completely clear view behind you, which is great. Uh, I thought I thought that was a, a really nice addition. I hadn't noticed that on any previous vehicles I've driven. But I think I think they actually do have that on some of the other GM vehicles now. Uh, but I, I I just hadn't had the opportunity to, to realize it because you, you can tell when it washes. Cause you know, you'll see the spray um, on the, on the mirror and, you know, as, as the, oh, right. the fluid All of a goes across there it. and then it's clear. But then, but then you get it again, you get back to that unobstructed view, which was great. 
Um, and of course, you know, it has, uh, this one had the adaptive cruise control, lane keeping assist and uh, blind spot monitoring, heads up display, um, navigation, wireless Android Auto and Apple CarPlay support, uh, which is great to have. And all in, um, including delivery, $35,170, which is, is not bad at all, you know, for something, you know, that's in a more premium segment like this. I mean, mm-hmm. if you compare this to something like an Audi Q3 or, or a Lexus NX uh, or UX, I guess, UX, Lexus UX would be the closer uh, size-wise. Uh, you know, it's very, very competitively priced. Um, and uh, I, think, I think it's a great option for somebody that's looking for a more premium, smaller crossover, you know, if you're doing a lot of, a lot of urban driving. So a lot of a lot of Buick Encores in the rental fleets in Hawaii. I'll tell you that as well. The original Encore or the GX? <laughs> no, no, just the right the original. Oh, okay. Just the original, not the GX. No, you don't get fancy stuff and <laughs> rather than some news this week, we've got a bunch of uh, listener emails to respond to. Uh, we already talked about the one about the, the rental car fleets, uh, but let's start with Chuck Goolsby. Um, and this, this is uh, Chuck is a, a Patreon supporter and he sent us, sent this to us through Patreon. Um, he said, uh, my little sister recently asked me where to find a used BMW station wagon. Yes. Some people still like wagons. Hey, I am one of them. I love wagons. <laughs> They're great. Um, she lives in Seattle with her husband and one teenager and a Bernese mountain dog. I imagine she asked me since I'm the car guy and also own five BMWs. Yes, it's a problem. Uh, and he lists, you know, from 70, 79 E 21, 320 up through, uh, his wife's, uh, 15, um, 2015 535i. Um, my uh, my first instinct, of course, is to warn her off of BMWs, despite my good luck with all of mine. She has owned two other wagons, a VW Jetta uh, and a Subaru Outback, the latter uh, from which you're going to need uh, two new head gaskets era. Um, and then she drives a Honda CRV now, which is, which is going to my teenage nephew. I think she wants a BMW for the interior luxury qualities and the wagon for the practicalities that make wagons. So wonderful, ideally used, well cared for three to six years old. Um, my thought, my only thought was the BMW CCA classifieds, but beyond that and auto trader, eBay motors, et cetera, I have no idea where to find such a unicorn or even how much it would cost her. What wagons are even sold in the 2014 to 2018 timeframe, even beyond BMW. BMW, Volvo, uh, Mercedes. The only wagons I see around here in Central Oregon are ubiquitous Subaru Outbacks, which are so numerous as to be essentially invisible. Uh, I think I see a BMW wagon once or twice a year, so rarely that I would likely whip out my phone and post it to visit on Facebook. Um, and any advice you could pass along would be nice. So uh, I I actually already responded to Chuck by email when we got this, this, uh, this question, but um, you actually can get uh, a BMW three series wagon in that exact time frame. They sold the, the previous generation was it F 30 um, three series was available in the U S market as a wagon as a touring right up through the 2017 model year, the current generation, they don't offer the wagon anymore, but you could get it on those models. So that's one option. Obviously, if you, if you want BMW um, there's also Volvo um, yep. Audi. Um, I don't think, Mercedes has sold a C-Class wagon here for a while. Yeah. Uh, there, there's also the Golf Alltrack, the VW Golf Alltrack. If you, oh if yeah, you, uh, I, like I think it's still available. Uh, and then uh, you know, but not a whole lot else. I think I, I personally really like the uh, the Volvo V60. 
Um, oh yeah. That's, that's a, that's a really good size. Yeah. I mean, if that's you don't solid. need a real, yeah. you know, the V90 is great, but it's, it's really big. Um, the, and the, the V60 is a really nice size and you can also get that as the cross country model. If you want, you know, slightly higher ride height, just enough ride height to make it look like an SUV, but without actually being useful. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, the V60 was, 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 was my, if he wasn't going to go for the three series, uh, wagon, that V60 was my choice. It's a, it's, it's, it, it looks, it, it looks nice. It looks, it, you know, it's, it's the previous uh, design, but you know, my wife saw one in a parking lot once and she hates everything. And she's like, Oh, what's that? Yeah. And you know, it was the blue of course, you know, the blue is always eye catching. Uh, but those V sixties are there. There's, there's some, they're really nice. And it's, you get the luxury, you get the, the, you know, you're not going to look like every other outback on the road. Uh, yeah. It's, it, I think it hits a lot of the, of, of the points that he's, his, his sister's looking for. Nicole, you got any thoughts? I don't know. I'm kind of, when you said all track, I'm kind of on that. The golf all track. I like that. Yeah. That you know, my and, thought. And, yeah. And, and modern V modern VWs, you know, if you get a, a, a relatively more recent one, um, you know, they've got, uh, you know, if you were to find like a 2018 or 2019, um, those, they still had a six year warranty, six year bumper to bumper warranty on there, which means that, you know, even if you uh, luck, you know, or if you get unlucky and get one of the, the VWs like, like our first Passat wagon that um, seems to be in the shop every, every time you turn around, um, you know, at least it's not going to cost you a fortune. Um, I've had two Volkswagens and both of them, I drove them right into the ground. Like I drove them for 10 years, 11 years. And they ran, they ran perfectly until the day they decided they didn't. It was like, right (laughs) when I was getting ready to get, I was like, this thing's holding up great. It's been fantastic. It's like, I have a new car coming in a week. It's like, I'm out, forget it. And everything's going to start falling off. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, okay. I guess I timed that. Well, (laughs) It's, it's like in the movie where they tell the person it's okay. It's okay, Tony Stark. It's okay. You can leave us now. And the car's yes, like, oh, exactly. good. It's like, okay, little car, little Jetta, you can leave. And it's like, fine. And then it's like a cartoon. A wheel falls off, a door falls off, the antenna breaks in half. Like everything just boom, 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 as I drove into the dealership to get a new the one. smoke out of the engine. <laughs> yeah. bay. I don't, the muffler was falling off like minutes before I got there. So I drive from my house and it's like, nice little engine purr. I get there. It's like, like you can hear me coming oh. away. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> We, we, we had a 2000 Passat wagon with that 1.8 liter turbo that was great to drive. And we had that car for nine years and my wife loved it. It was, it was, it was fantastic to drive. I mean, it was basically, uh, it was a, you know, a B4, you know, Audi A4 or B4 or B5, B, maybe it was a B5. It was, it was essentially the, the, exactly the same as the Audi A4 of that era, um, you know, but just cheaper. And it was, it was fantastic except for all the time it spent in the shop. Um, but we still kept it for nine years and and still, it was so great to drive that we turned around and replaced it with another VW wagon. We got a, a 2010 Jetta TDI wagon, mm-hmm. uh, which we kept for seven years until we sold it back to Volkswagen for a, a tidy sum in the wake of their, yeah. little, their little issue with emissions testing. That little whole right. emissions thing. Some people may yeah. have heard of maybe. Yeah. But that, you know, and, but, what you were saying, uh, Nicole, about, uh, you know, it being great right up until the time it wasn't, uh, we, we had the, um, uh, the panoramic moonroof in there. And yeah. so there was a shade that a power shade that would go back and forth. Uh, that was, you know, kind of a mesh shade that was translucent and right. Uh, maybe, um, about a month or so after they announced the buyback program for the diesels, 
my wife pulled into the garage she or she was about to pull out and she went to put the shade back and it went back about halfway on one side and stopped and the other side kept going oh god and so it got twisted around <laughs> and the, the the mesh got torn and oh. so she came in and said can we fix this and i started i looked yep. at it and i went online did a little research and it turns out that the the parts for it to fix that it was apparently not an uncommon problem on those jettas um it, it was about 500 bucks for the parts about 1500 bucks if you took it to the dealer because there was so Oof. much labor involved because they have to take out the entire headliner and tear oh, all yeah. kinds of things apart yeah and so since we had already decided we were going to do the buyback i went in with a box cutter just cut the whole thing out and went to AutoZone and got some window tint film and put it on the inside of the, <laughs> get some extra shade inside. And Done left, for five bucks. <laughs> yeah. And then left it like that until we turned it in. Um, so, uh, you know, one of those, one of those VW things. <laughs> mine, it, mine really to get, and I learned how to, I learned how to drive a manual transmission on that Jetta. Like I saved money. I don't know. It was like five or $600 less to get a manual. I didn't know how to drive one. So I literally learned on it and it still made it. I had that for like 10 or 11 years. So I, I mean, like I said, right until I drove into the dealership to exchange, to, to trade it in, it was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I, I know it used to be with, with VWs, you know, it was very hit and miss. You could, get a car that would run for 250,000 miles with no problem except for, you know, oil changes and, and tires, or you could get one that would be in the shop every other week. And, <laughs> you know, yeah. It was a yeah. crapshoot, but um, so we, we got lucky with one, not so lucky with the other. Wow. Uh, yeah. All right. Next up, <laughs> Speedmaster. What does an electrified future hold for off-road vehicles, off-road four-wheel drive vehicles, which we kind of talked about already with the, with the Wrangler? Um, uh, will sophisticated diffs and traction control become irrelevant if each wheel is separately powered? Other thoughts? I'd say, yes, the answer to your question is probably yes. Uh, yeah. You know, you know, every, 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 everything is controlled by the computer, and you're talking about microseconds, you know, yeah. of, 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 of when you're sending torque or uh, power to each wheel. Uh, it's, you know, it's the, the, the amount of control the vehicle is going to have over each wheel is going to be staggering compared to what you're used to with a typical, you know, four by four. And I think there's going to be, uh, the potential, um, and it might be aftermarket, it might be Jeep, um, where you have, you know, they're going to give you this like extra level of control of how much power you're sending to every individual wheel. And, you know, initially everyone's going to be like, I don't want an electric car outside. I need a big engine and giant wheels and the flip over and whatnot. Um, but I think I think there are people are going to start coming around when they start using these things. And what's, you know, as it, as the, the technology matures, you know, the first one's probably going to be good. But, you know, two generations later, it's going to be great. Yeah. And, you know, this year, you know, we're going to have the first couple of electric um truck you know off-road capable trucks coming to market with rivian um probably sometime mid late summer uh and you know rivian is their setup is using four motors you know two on each axle so there's a separate motor driving each wheel so you know and you're not even going to have differentials um you're just going to have control individual yeah. control to each wheel and then uh later in the year the the hummer ev um that's a three motor setup two two motors on the rear axle one on the front um so there'll be a differential on the front of that one but on the rear you know they'll they'll probably do torque some sort of torque vectoring just by individual motor control uh and if and when 
Lordstown ever manages to build their uh, get their truck into production, you know, that one actually uses four hub motors. So the motors are actually right in the wheels. That one, I think, is going to be a little more problematic. I, I see a lot of potential uh, problems with that. Yeah. It's, it's also Lordstown. So there's a lot yeah. of problematic going <laughs> yes. on right there. It's so. More than just that one, one issue. It's there, more Sam. than that one thing. It's, it's a whole laundry list of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, next, uh, from Tim Martin. Any recommendations for a used plug-in hybrid or EV uh, in the twenty to thirty thousand dollar range that drives and ha- drives and handles well? Typically, drive about fifteen thousand miles, presumably a year, and less than ten mile commute each way. Look at the clarity in an old Model S. Thanks. Any thoughts? I love the Eagle. I absolutely love the Eagle. Uh, it's a it's a it's a GT with an electric powertrain. You know, it's 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 a ham-fisted EV. You know, they just sort of shoved an, a battery and an electric motor into uh, an, an ICE uh, platform. But I really, really love driving that car. The 500e, the also the Fiat 500e you have over here. That's the best Fiat 500. I had absolutely. I leased the yes, I, I leased the Fiat. Yes. I fe- I leased the Fiat 500, just the regular one, and you could feel it falling apart. And it was kind of loosey goosey, and uh, but you know it it worked for for what we needed at the time. And then I I got the 500e, and I'm like, why did they even make this other car? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the, yeah the, I, the the 500e was always my favorite version. Yeah. You know, the the Abarth made lots of noise but didn't really feel that fast. The 500 E actually felt a lot quicker because of yeah. that instantaneous torque. Oh yeah. No, I, I like the 500 E that's it. Like you said, Roberta, that's my favorite Fiat. Like, why do we have others? Like why just do this one, go all in with the 500 E. And I actually like the Ionic a lot too, from that list, little list that we kind of cobbled together before the show. Uh, those would be my two, those my, my two picks. Yeah. And, and there's, you know, there's a, a bunch of other options, you know, one of the nice things, you know, especially if you're buying used, not so much if you're, you know, if you buy them new, but one of the, the, the things about, especially battery electric vehicles, for if you're a used car buyer is the, the resale value is terrible. You know, there's so much depreciation on them, especially on these first generation, first and second generation EVs, like the 500E, the E-Golf. You can get some screaming deals on these things. Uh, like, you know, it's not at all hard to find a 500E for well under 10 grand. Um, and I think e-golfs are, are similarly priced, uh, but there's other options too. Um, you know, the Chevy Bolt, uh, is a great EV and it, it drives quite well. The second generation Volt in particular, um, you know, which is slightly roomier than the first generation. Um, you can find those, both of those for under 20 grand, um, you know, for comparatively low mileage. If you want a plug-in hybrid, the, the Ford Fusion Energy, the, the plug-in hybrid version is also good. Um, and if you want something more premium that still falls within this twenty to thirty thousand dollar price range, I took a quick look. You can find BMW three thirty E's for in that price range, um, which mm. it seems surprisingly low, but you know that's that's what's available out there. So you can get a plug in hybrid three series for you know under thirty thousand dollars. So there's there's a bunch of options out there. If you're, if you're, if you're driving a lot, if you're, most of your commute is in town, if you're in an urban area, the I3 is just a fun, wa- if you're, if you're yeah. a fun, wacky individual, the I3 is a fun, wacky car. Um, if you're not that individual, then I would not say it. <laughs> yeah. it, 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 and, it does drive wacky. well. Okay. Yeah. It does drive well, but it, it, it is a, it is a, uh, 
It, 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 yeah, there are two it's, camps it's for the camp. IAV. Yes, it is. It is the concept car that everyone's always, you know, you see a concept car. Why don't they make those? And BMW's like, okay, we will. And then yeah, everyone's like, oh, that's why. That's why like, we don't make those. Well, and the i3 <laughs> is the absolute cheapest car you can buy in the world with a full carbon fiber chassis. So yeah. think of it that way. You know, you're, you're buying the same kind of chassis technology that you get in a $400,000 McLaren. Mm-hmm. It's just but, like having that for, McLaren. For 20, I mean, you can hardly tell the difference. You can hardly tell the difference between the two. They're both rear wheel drive. They have carbon fiber chassis. You know, they, they have, you know, two usable seats and, and two. They're essentially the same LS. car. So they're yeah. essentially the same car. Yeah, exactly. They're both so. wacky looking. It's yeah. everything. <laughs> <laughs> what more the BMW, uh, the <laughs> i3 is the EV McLaren is where we're. <laughs> Seems, seems perfectly plausible to me. Yeah, yeah, that works. All right. <laughs> Next up, Shane. What is the actual difference between the Mercedes-Benz A-Class and the CLA-Class? I can't believe they're both still on sale. Um, well, have, I don't think they've ever actually sold the A-Class in North America, have they? Did they? I can't remember. The A-Class? But, yeah. Did they yeah. sell it here? Yeah, I just but, drove a... But the well, the the A the A class and the CLA are basically the same thing, except that the CLA is a coupish like sedan, and the A class is a hatchback. So you know, it's a it's a golf sized you know compact hatchback, and the CLA has a trunk. But under the skin, they're they're the same thing. So that's, oh, is he asking? I'm sorry, is he asking about the hatchback, the the wagon? Uh, we, yeah, we we don't get the wagon here. Yeah, boo! But we do get the sedan. Oh, yeah. So the you, sedan's you, dope. It it is, but you know you have you know as with most small sedans, you have a tiny trunk opening, you know, and no space to actually put anything into the trunk. Whereas with the hatchback, you get you know the same basic vehicle, but you also you know when you want to put some big stuff in the back, you can fold down the back seat and you have a big opening to put it in there with. So, all right, next uh, from and that project classic cars, keep them stock or modernize them. That's hard. I, I think it depends on the car. I think it depends on the individual. I yeah. think there's, there's, there, what, do whatever you want with your car. Unless you have like one of like four cars built of whatever you're, you own, um, just do whatever you want with your car. I, if you want to, if you want to make an EV conversion, go for it. If you want to put a CD player in your, in your Impala, go for it. If or you want a cassette player, even. <laughs> if you want to exactly. put a cassette player, if you want to put, if, if you want to put, uh, you know, car play and a model t do whatever you want that that is my that that is my I vote for a track i want to i want to see that roberto i want to see the model t that somehow has like a little screen and like apple carplay android auto it's like the most teched out model t ever <laughs> it like puts modern cars to shame with its level of tech once you open the door just like pop, 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 pop. you know that sound I'm, that old I'm cars not, I'm make. Sure a model t actually has enough electrical power from you its have to put another battery in you have yeah. to add that that's yeah. part of the beauty of your project car you yeah, would make little, that happen you put a little generator in the back like no shh this is so i can listen to my my tunes my itunes yeah no i i, I totally agree with you guys you know it's like you bought the car it is yours to do with whatever you want whatever makes you feel good go for it you know if you want if you want to have a a concours edition you know all original num- matching numbers you know with you know repainted from a, a leftover batch of the original paint that was used on that car 50 years ago go for it if you want to build a resto mod you know where you put a modern engine into a you know a 1960s classic 
go for it. If you want to take a classic and make it electric, <laughs> go for it. There's nothing wrong with that. If it you, has to make you happy because no matter yeah. what you do, no matter what choice you make, somebody's going to think you made the wrong one. Absolutely. So don't listen to anybody. Yeah. Like if yeah. you're happy, I don't care if you don't like my car is my car is my money. I don't care. You just have to do what makes you happy and forget what anybody else says, because there's someone who's going to love it. And there's someone who's going to think you made the most horrific mistake ever. So ignore them and do what you want. Yeah, because yes. they're wrong. They're wrong. They're, yes. It's your car. It's, it's your car. Your, your, your money, your car, you, you're driving it. All, all yours. Just, just don't expect to go on like, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the boards and uh, with your, with your Model T with the with car plan <laughs> and and go on the Model T boards and not get yelled at for that. I won't. I can't believe what you I did. think it's brilliant. I'll be like, we I want to drive this Model we'll T. We'll be right there cheering you on. Like, woohoo! <laughs> Invite us to the boards as your as your <laughs> as your defenders. <laughs> all right next up from uh brianna Wu, friend of the show what do you think of the new tycon cross turismo this is the porsche tycon cross turismo is it an upgrade over the standard model i think i i have a feeling i know what you what you two are going to say what do you think i i love the tycon and i haven't driven the cross turismo um but i am i am i am very excited about the opportunity to drive it and i you know as a fan of wagons and a fan of you know from a town where i had to go off road a bunch of times i'm like yeah i'm very excited about it but i i haven't driven so i can't say yay or nay yeah but. i haven't i haven't driven the tycon at all like i don't even i mm, so i mean like looks cool uh the you know gran turismo looks cooler or cross turismo looks cooler uh i would like to drive that too uh but i have no firsthand experience so it's like mm -mm. looks wise i like it concept wise i like it I agree too. I, I, uh, unfortunately I'm still waiting for Calvin at Porsche to hook me up with a Taycan. Um, hopefully it'll maybe it'll be the cross Turismo instead. Um, I did get a chance to ride in the Taycan uh, a couple of years ago at the, uh, in the prototype at the New York uh, Formula E race in 2019. Ooh. Um, Ooh. They had one there that they were doing some hot laps in between uh, races with it. Uh, so I got to ride along with, uh, um, with Neil Yanni, uh, former Le Mans winner. He was and driving how was that? It. That was boring. That was that, that was just totally boring. Yeah, it was just totally uneventful. You know, you get in a car <laughs> with a guy who's won the 24 hours of Le Mans overall. Eh. You know, it's uh, yeah, yeah, no big deal. Uh, no, I mean, it was it was amazing. It was really impressive how well, you know, that car felt, um, you know, and that was still a prototype at that point. Um, but I, I'm anxiously waiting for my opportunity to drive a Taycan. And I'd love to have the Cross Turismo because, you know, the thing with the I think the Taycan looks great. But um, with that sloping you know, roof line, you know, the backseat is going to be a little tighter. Um, whereas with the Cross Turismo, you know, you've got the extended roof line. You've got that extra space in the back, you know, for some utility. But it's still the same car underneath, yeah. um, you know, although lifted, I think, about an inch or so. Um, so you have, you know, all the benefits of, of driving the Taycan um, and, you know, that extra utility as well. I, I, I will tell you that. I, I've driven the Turbo S and the Turbo. I haven't driven the sort of base model yet. It is amazing what the engineers at Porsche did to make that car drive the way it does with that giant battery underneath. It's just, it was just, I was just like, I, I and, and people always ask me like, oh, what's your favorite car? What's your favorite car? And it's hard to say, well, this is my favorite car because every week you're in a different car and it's sort of, and without, you know, the week after I drove that and then a bunch of cars for World Car of the Year, I probably drove about 30 cars. Um, someone asked me and, uh, like without thinking about Tycon, that's yeah. yeah. 
It's just, yeah. just if you could have any car, I'm a Taycan. And you know, one one thing about the Taycan, you know, when it when it was first launched, um, there was a lot of disappointment and criticism because of its uh, EPA range rating, which was decidedly mediocre. I think the the longest range one was rated at like 204 miles. You know, and yeah. the, I think the Turbo S was like 198 miles. Which you know, when you compare that to a Tesla Model S, it seems very very mediocre. Turns out though that um, apparently Porsche was sandbagging when they when they did the testing, and real world range is actually far better. I think that one of the most recent ones I saw. Typically, um, you know, most of the real world testing I've seen uh, with the Taycan, you know, it's anywhere from two hundred and eighty to two hundred and ninety miles of range. You know, so now you're in that three hundred mi- you know, close to three hundred mile range. That's enough for just about anybody. And the yeah. you know the, the Taycan supports uh three hundred and fifty kilowatt charging so you can charge it really fast at Electrify America stations. Um you know and by comparison, you know, the Model S typically falls anywhere from fifteen to twenty five percent short of its actual of its range of its EPA ratings. So they're actually pretty close in terms of real world capability. Uh so you know Take, take for that what you will. Yeah. They, when they, when they announced the EPA numbers, I was very confused because they didn't match my experience behind the wheel of the car. And this is driving up and down Andrews Crest highway and driving like an automotive journalist and using, you know, the launch control multiple times because you know, that's my job. Um, and they were like, Oh, it's like 200 miles. I'm like, that doesn't seem right. What, what is that? And then it came out later that they were like, yeah, we went with the lower number. And then, you know, there's this whole, like the whole, the whole way the EPA does, does uh, EV, uh, uh, range is, is, is probably in need of a, uh, of an update. Yeah. There's some, there's some serious inconsistency there. Yeah. yeah. It, it, yeah. it seems very, very off from what real world is. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. Well, that's all we've got for this week. Um, anything you, you guys want to share before we call it a day? No, I think that's it. Uh, come on Roberto come up with something really good to share something really good to share um, I picked up the MDX last night oh, that's, that's really cool. nice and I, I know you, you, you've talked about it and I, I know you've talked about the, uh, the infotainment system uh, before and I like like, like y'all I, I am a fan of that info of that touchpad and mostly because I use a Wacom tablet instead of like a mouse. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of, you know, one so to kind of one. Used to that absolute. Yeah. So it already is intuitive for you. I remember when the Acura, the, the folks came to my house and picked me up and drove me around like my, my neighborhood in the city in San Francisco to, to sort of explain it. And they're like, I'm like, oh yeah, I get it. And they're like, well, I'm like, no, no, no. I use a tablet. So it was, it's, I think if, if you have the car for a little bit more than a week, you get used to it. But, um, but yeah, it's, 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 uh, I'm, I'm, I'm like, doo, 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 doo done i don't know what car i have i won't know till it shows up in my driveway tomorrow wait what well, I, I have i i have this little the, supercharged the mystery, of, truck. The mystery of, of here dan will remember this dan who's you know he, he experiences it's like and this week i have a open the front door oh that's what's here so <laughs> yeah they, they they have a slightly different uh process up in new england uh, we do so yeah yeah oh. we have a little bit of a different process so i have no idea what will wow. arrive tomorrow sometime wow. between nine and 12. Wow. That's amazing. Like mm-hmm. I have everything, like, like I email someone, they email me back and then we, we figure out the timing for everything to show up and then it shows up and then yeah, it's, like every week. Too. Yeah. And you, it's just like, let's make a deal. What's behind yeah, door number yeah. one. <laughs> Spin that wheel and you land on, this is what you get. 
I, I have a little three ton supercharged pickup truck out in the driveway right now. Mm. Wow. We'll talk about that next week. Okay. Cool. All right. All right. See you, everybody. Bye. Bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.